0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to uh, Digital Capital Advisors Fireside Chat Series. We're excited to have you here as always. Uh, For those of you that don't know, I'm Andrew Daniel, uh, Managing Director here on the team at DCA. Uh, DCA is a global technology investment bank. We've got offices in New York, Berlin, Tel Aviv, and San Francisco. Uh, And this show is part of our 10-year anniversary celebration, which we celebrated back in September. Uh the fireside chat series is really designed to to kind of bring to light hour-long conversations with world-class technology companies and their founders and, and operators that we really enjoy in the e-commerce market spots, the marketplace, and other marketplaces as well. Uh today we have Johannes, who is the founder and CEO of Products Up. Uh, we're very excited to uh to have him and welcome him to the show.
1: Thanks, Andrew, for the nice introduction. Happy to be here and looking forward to our
0: discussion and conversation. Awesome. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we get started uh, ultimately in the overview of Products Up and maybe tell people a little bit about what it is you guys do. I think it'd be great to hear about the story and the evolution of the business and maybe some of the capabilities that you guys have today.
1: Yeah, certainly, certainly I will do that. Um, So Product Up is a software as a service company, primarily helping um, retailers and and e-commerce brands to uh, distribute and optimize their product data for a variety of marketing channels, right? So the, the company was, founded 10 years ago by uh Kai, technical co-founder and and myself and we basically back at that point of time struggled with um, optimizing our product information that we had in our own uh, online shops and optimizing it for the requirements of the different channels right so basically um the way i always like to describe it is if you look at the e-commerce world and that is um, even more true uh, nowadays than it was 10 years ago. And you're, let's say um, your a brand like Ikea and you wanna advertise for your products in all the different channels, like uh, looking at Facebook, looking at Google, looking at Twitter, looking at Instagram. Um, if you look at the requirements of those channels, basically they're all different, right? And you cannot take one data set and send it to all the channels and then basically um, get, uh, get really good results on, on the marketing that you do. And ProductsUp is the piece in the middle that um, connects to your ERP system, to your shop system, takes your product information out of there and automatically optimizes this for the requirements of the individual channels so that you can see superior results for, uh, for your ads within the different, different channels.
0: Sure. No, I think that's great. And so but why don't we start maybe talking a little bit about the evolution of commerce? Because I think, I think there's been a very significant evolution as time has gone by. I would love to get your thought on kind of how commerce has evolved, ultimately how it's turned towards e-commerce, and then maybe some of the problems that have emerged um, relative to that transition.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, um, when you, when you, when you think about commerce, right, and, and, and e-commerce, I think the, the, the word that you hear, um, uh, I don't know since how many years is multi-channel retail, right? So I think a lot right. of people think about, hey, I'm a brand or I'm a retailer and, and I have a product in front of me that I want to sell to my, um, to my customers, right? And I think the, the main challenge that people um, have out there is to provide the customers with a unified experience around that product independently of the channel that you look at it, right? So I think um, you as a customer, if you decide to buy, let's say, a new pair of running shoes, right, you want to have... Uh, kind of the same experience, independently on which channel you look at the at the product. So you want to have um, superior information if you look at it online. You want to have uh, good information if you go into a sh- uh, into a shop and you ask uh, basically the salesperson there uh, about the product. And I think that is really the challenge of brands and retailers as of today. Um, to to really uh, get the same information independently um, of the channel towards a potential um, consumer or to, to, towards a potential buyer right and optimize that um, i think that information also specifically to the requirements um, of that of that consumer and i think that is the point where a lot of people are not there yet at the moment what but we believe that products up this is the next step that will follow right so i think if you look at it nowadays um the majority of the of the brands and retailers they are active on all the channels right you could argue um how good the quality is across the different channels in terms of delivering that unified experience for for a specific product um but let's imagine we are there and everybody managed to do that. And you look at the, um, at a product and you get all the same information and high quality information independently of the channel, you're able to deliver that as a brand or a retailer. Then from our point of view, the next step in evolution is basically adjusting that information uh, towards the specific requirements of the individual that buys, right? To give you an example, um when, let's say you think about uh, skincare products, right? And one consumer, they might be focusing, let's say, on on price. The other consumer, they might focus on uh, basically how skin friendly is it or how, how environmental friendly is it. And I think that will be the next step, which also we are at products that are currently working on, to enable our clients not only to adjust the information, uh, towards the specifications of the individual channel, but also then learn more about the consumer and adapt the information that you present to somebody uh, based right. on the, let's say, individual preferences, right? And I think, um, yeah, that's probably the next step in terms of evolution when you look at commerce and e-commerce from our point of view. And of course, at the same time, you're, you're I mean, you are active in that environment you're basically fighting with a lot of daily challenges right so it's a lot of new channels popping up so if you look yeah. at the la- landscape five years ago it was maybe a handful of channels and now a lot of retailers they turn into marketplaces themselves not a lot of new marketplaces pop up um, you have a lot of social channels which are on where you now can start to sell directly so i think the, the ecosystem in itself, if you're a brand or a retailer, becomes more and more complex, right? And the speed of change is also increasing. So I think um, we always refer there to Darwin's law, right? So the, not the most beautiful wins, not the most intelligent wins, but I think it holds true that the most adaptable wins and you need to be fast yeah. and adapting,
0: right? I think there's a lot there to unpack, and I want to leave some of it for a little bit. So we talked a little bit about uh, consumer expectation, talked a little bit about what's to come, but let, let's put that to aside for a second. You know, I think what's really profound to us at DCA, and I think you've mentioned some of these things, you know, it's the complexity and acceleration of the problem that's existing here now, and, and really e-commerce, it, it's really becoming kind of astronomical to a point where they can't keep up, right? And, and as I think about the evolution of the spectrum on one side, you, depending on how far back you want to go use something as simple as kind of a big box retailer. Um, or if you go even further back, you know, literally by mail big box retailer. And on the other side, maybe you have, you know, a cutting edge, direct consumer, digital native brand who's only ever existed in the e-commerce lifespan. And for me, that spectrum is a pretty broad one where, you know, a retailer often is significant laggard on the e-commerce side, doesn't have the capability, a large volume of their sales are not happening across digital channels. And they do have e-commerce It's typically market, uh, somebody like an Amazon, for example, to plug into an Amazon and try to fuel there, or they're on their own destination site. But the complexity of number of channels they're distributing is relatively limited. And so that's kind of the one side. And on the other, you've got these digital native brands who are literally thinking about, can we just continue to grow the number of channels and, and complexity of distribution that we have? And if you think about where people exist along that spectrum, the problems vary pretty significantly. What is happening, though, is definitely a shift towards those kind of my my pinnacle in this case of this native direct consumer brand where folks are being forced to ultimately push in that direction. And when you get there and you think about the complexity of the problem, many things are happening at the same time, right? One is the number of distribution channels that are meaningful, that can generate genuine revenue to justify the use of the channel is growing very rapidly. uh, And those channels are getting bigger and bigger as a percentage which means that you see a fragmentation if you look at somebody's revenue as to where they're sourcing their revenue from, right? It's not just from their own destination side of Typically, the concentration exists there depending on how the business is selling, but it's happening in other places as well. Geographically, because of a lot of the logistics that's been put in place and where consumers are existing today, you know, geographically, you're seeing this geographic agnosticism that's happening for the brands to say, you know, we'll sell anywhere and anywhere, But that means that there is linguistic challenges, there's presentation challenges, a lot of this exists. And then finally, I think for the most part, the product catalogs for the folks that are larger are getting bigger themselves as well, right? As folks get better at producing, those catalogs are widening. So all of a sudden you have a lot of different things that are going to create this really large challenge where the, the brands, regardless of size, regardless of what they're doing or how complex their setup is, they are needing to solve this issue of how do we get our products to look the way we want them to look, sound the way we want them to sound, be genuinely really high quality, and be distributed across all these really dynamic places in real time, right? And, and that is a, a technology needed solution. It's not something where an individual can possibly do that. And I think what's happened in this space and, and part of where you guys fit in is you know when this problem came about, I think brands recognized, particularly the newer kinds, very quickly you know, this is not a problem that we're going to be able to solve on our own, right? The, the time, the money, the energy to go solve that, you know, is going to be really not worth it at the end of the day. Let's find a technology partner. I think many of the large retailers, as they move on the spectrum of complexity, are also figuring this out and saying, hey, we better go find somebody to help solve this problem. And at the end, if you look behind the curtain at a lot of these large e-commerce operations, what you're finding is, It's really kind of an interlacing of many different things that are coming into place. One, of course, is how do you manage your product information and how do you distribute that into the world? You know, another one is how do you actually show the product on the page? How do we think about search and recommendation and all these different things? You know, another might be how do we understand customer data so we can effectively distribute uh, promotions or target folks in a personalized and customized way? And this web of solutions that's building the background, I think, is very interesting to us because that, unlike in many other sectors, that infrastructure is existing outside of the large brands for the most part, with the exception of the really large players, right? The Amazon, and the Walmarts or others of the world. Mm. So again, I think that spectrum is really meaningful. Where, where I'm taking this is that I think COVID has done this space a significant benefit and that it took the laggards. Again, I use the laggard as you know, a retailer who maybe has a destination site, you know, maybe is selling third party somewhere, but isn't terribly complex. And at some point, right, particularly around Q2, said, you know, all of a sudden these retailers are not going to have the same retail sell through as they did before. And so the retailers were left kind of holding the bag saying, you know, oh, my goodness, what do we do if we can't sell in our normal channels we've been doing for the last 50 or 100 years? And that forced them very rapidly to say, we better get very serious about e-commerce really quickly here. Otherwise, we are just going to run out of money, right? Our revenues are going to fall off a cliff. And so we saw kind of in Q2, that begin to happen. And then when the numbers really hit, in Q3, senior folks saying, figure this out quick because we can't live like this forever. And we saw this very rapid shift on the scale where these legacy folks who historically were not prioritizing e-commerce the way they should have been, very rapidly shifted and needed to get further along the spectrum. And I think that's done a very significant benefit to the space. And I expect to continue to see that in 21 and 22. And I think that's the, the thankfulness that you can give to COVID besides the fact that the volume of e-commerce and aggregate also increased supporting a lot of the businesses that exist. So I say all that, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on, you know, the COVID effect, you know, how lasting is it, right? Is it a structural shift? Is it a short-term shift? And, you know, what do you think that does to the space generally relative to that evolution?
1: Yeah, I think um, it will certainly accelerate the evolution, right? So I think that is that is for sure. And I think the way you described it, um, I think we're not in a world or we haven't been also uh, pre-COVID, we haven't been in a world where there were people ignoring um, e-commerce sure. totally, right? I think that is something you could argue if the topic of e-commerce would have been high enough up in the in the priority and high enough up on the agenda, right? And I think... Uh, what COVID certainly did there is putting it higher on the agenda, right? And 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 really saying, look, that needs to be a priority for us, for us right now. So I think um, what we mainly saw is that it accelerated decision making processes um, for for larger players, right? Where you would normally take, let's say, half a year, a year of the sales cycle. And they turned around and like you described, they said, hey, we need something quick right now. And I yeah. would expect them to sign something within three, six months time. And you got the signature within four or eight weeks. Right. So it accelerated yeah. significantly on the um, decision making process. Right. And I think. Um, to some extent, I always have full understanding, right? If you realize a significant part of your business with your physical retail stores, it's hard to focus on, on 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 e-commerce, right? And I think to some extent, some of the, like you described the digital natives, they have that advantage because they have that one outlet and they focus on it yeah. and it's totally clear that's their main revenue driver, right? So I think, um, a lot of energy shifted to the question, how can we accelerate e-commerce? And I think that is going to stay. Um, and I think for, for me personally, um, the ideal setup is really one where you, you are truly multi-channel, right? Where you have physical stores and at the same time, um, also have the capabilities to, to, to really tailor um, to everybody who wants to buy online, right? So I think um, that is their, the, 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 the part where I think a lot of the, the, the brands and retailers who have physical outlets need to get better is leveraging actually the power of their physical stores towards yeah. us as the consumers, right? I don't see it that necessarily the online pure pay player has an advantage but if you really leverage the power of your um, physical stores and turn it into more of a consumer and customer experience room like more of a showroom right and you make it interesting for people to go there and experience the product I think then you have an advantage over somebody who only is able to show the images and the product online, right? So I think in 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 total, um, I think the focus and the importance of e-commerce was accelerated and I think that trend is gonna continue. Um, and ideally, right, so now people also use the time to think about how can I really uh, make sense of my physical outlets, and once they're allowed to reopen again, and everybody goes to the shops again, how can I really um, increase the, the 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 experience that a consumer has by having
0: those yeah. uh, physical stores? Yeah, uh, and again, I use that laggard category as an extremist poll to show the two sides of things. But I think yeah, what sure. we noticed is that you know, as that shift is occurring, the, the particularly the the retail folks who have significant retail presences who perhaps are not spending as much time as they should on e-commerce, but now we're spending you know, significantly more and have prioritized it. it. You know, you're talking about what we think about, which is the unification of retail and e-commerce, right? How do you unify those two streams together? And part of it is that retail needs to improve and change in a really structural way. Uh, and so everybody agrees that you have to build a better experience you know, maybe you can figure out ways to make it a more digital experience or just generally more engaging and interesting um, and not just uh, I walk into a store and walk around. Um, but there's also a connective tissue that needs to be built there. And I think that connected tissue is really interesting. You know, thinking about, you know, today, for instance, if you walk into a store and you know, a show person shows you a jacket and you go, you know, thanks for showing this to me, but I'm going to go buy it online you know, we have no way to understand the inter- the lack of how that ultimately happened, right? The connectivity there is very bad. You know, our view is that the connectivity between the retail channel and then ultimately the e-commerce channel is going to be unified really significantly. That's going on to big clients they're working on. But in that unification, what it comes down to is, and maybe this is the next topic, you know, the consumer expectation has risen really significantly in time. If you just look at the kind of expectation that a consumer has, you know, it's it's aggressively up and to the right. And I think this unification is part of that expectation, right? We don't want to have these legacy experiences. For us, that that expectation of the consumer kind of hits home in a couple different places depending on, on how you're looking at the world. So, you know, on one side, you say, you know, Amazon and large Players have accustomed consumers to a certain quality of of imagery, a certain quality of product information, a certain quality of shipping experience or checkout experience, right? And they're being used almost as a benchmark that others are trying to hold to. Direct consumer brands have also helped to set this new benchmark of where consumers should be. But to me, that that plays fold into e-commerce technology in a number of ways, right? I think you hinted on this, you know, a couple minutes ago. One is that you know, A, we have to make sure that the quality of product that we're putting forward from messaging, from a photo, from a language, all this kind of stuff has to be A1, right? We just can't make any mistakes there because we know that the result is people don't check out. You've got all these problems. They don't even add things to the cart. And so we know that's kind of the bare minimum of what we need. The next step is, you know, how do we understand customization and personalization across a variety of facets, right? How how are we able to customize search? Or how do we bundle recommendations together? Or how do we make sure that we're showing the right uh, cut of a promotion to somebody who, to your point, might care more about price or might care more about the product itself, right? And be a little bit price insensitive. So there's all these different ways I think that's happening. And, and that unification of customer data, I think, is going to occur between the retail and e-commerce world. And, and then maybe finally, it's also the logistics, right? It's you know, this idea that, you know, five or 10 years ago, it was very easy to charge fourteen ninety nine dollars for shipping. Today, you can't always get away with that, right? The consumer doesn't have a lot of tolerance towards shipping costs. And so there's many different ways. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on, you know, how do you think about, much like the evolution of, of the, the enterprise customer, you know, how do you think about the evolution of the consumer and where those expe- expectations are really hitting home with brands today? yeah so i think
1: i certainly agree right that the the expectations of the consumer um have risen over time right and i think uh people are purely more informed than they have been a couple of years ago right it's easier to access information it's easier to compare so i think Uh, basically you could expect the 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 level of information that a let's say standard consumer has to be higher than a couple of years ago and i think that is the point where where you as a as a brand or retailer you have to um yeah understand that and basically take it one step further and provide additional value right it's not about color price and then that's it right it is really about Understanding where the consumer sits and what he or she yeah. wants, right? And I think that is that is the um, the task of everybody that wants to sell to somebody, right? And I think all the other factors, like having an easy return option, uh, having it delivered quite fast, they will become a commodity over time, right? So I think the way we always looked at is we wanted we um, we we we. we talk to our customers and we tell them look we want to enable you to get your product data into a position where they become a competitive advantage right because um, let's say if you're an online shop and you sell different brands right and you think about let's say a nike shoe you could probably buy that nike shoe in 200 other shops so what is your yeah. point of differentiation right so if we now think that uh, basically shipping returns and all that kind of stuff, that's going to become a commodity at some point, right? So then you can compete on price. If you compete on price, you destroy your own margins. So you're not going to do that for the for the longer period, right? And the second thing where you can really be, um, yeah, superior to your competition is getting better and getting more tailored information towards the consumer, right? And I think that is ultimately the setup where we believe those people are going to win. And the way we think about it is it's a little bit going into your direction, right? We, we think about how can we create a network and how can we kind of connect the different dots of information that exist in the current market setup. So to give you one experience, uh, one example, right? So a buyer store with the brand Nivea is one of our customers. If you now think about them, they sell, um, let's say Nivea creams to uh, Kroger's and Walgreens, which are also our customers, right? So at that point, um they don't know anything about what is happening at those uh, retailers with the products that they sell to them they don't have information about the consumers ultimately buying them at some point they will get the next order right and i think yeah. what we want to what we want to create is a collaboration between the outlets where the people ultimately buy getting a feedback loop to uh, the brand itself, in that case, Bayersdorf, right? So that the two can work together and either um, optimize the flow of goods or get additional information when it comes to uh, optimizing the product for specific requirements. So in the end, I think, of course, what you need in the future is a product which is tailored towards the demands of a of a consumer right and then the second thing is getting the right information in front of somebody at the point where they're ready to buy right because it might be that if you're presented with one set of information and we all know we have a short attention span right we look at information and we decide for most of the goods that we purchase instantly if we're going to do it or not right and it might be that you would buy in a scenario a where you get presented with a certain set of information you would buy the product and the same product with the let's say the same total set of information but you pick a different subset you advertise that to the consumer and they say no i'm not going to buy that product right and i think that's where the intelligence sits to understand basically the consumer and understand which kind of information do i need to show in order to convince them so basically understanding what is important uh for them and i think then you can close the loop and go back to the let's say the physical retail again right so when you think like let's say 30 40 years back you would know your customers right and if you go into a shop you would know hey andrew he never buys uh a brown suit right He, he either buys a black one or a blue one or whatever it is right and then the person knowing you, they would approach you with the, let's say, with an offer table towards you. And I think we need to create the same experience online.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a profound challenge, right? I mean, we have spent a lot of time now talking about, you know, okay, here's here's what's going on, here's the spectrum of, of kind of the brands, here's the spectrum of the consumers. I think everybody agrees we're shifting to the right. But there is now a profound challenge. And e-commerce to me in general has always been a very interesting category because Unlike in other categories where you see a lot of in-housing action, that is, you you see brands who take a lot of the technology in-house or build stuff themselves or generally are trying to pull it in, you know, in e-commerce, you don't see that same level of kind of action happening. Now, some of the large players I mentioned, undoubtedly have built a lot of technology in-house. Some of the direct consumer brands have built a little bit of connected tissue in-house or built something proprietary. But in aggregate, if you look at the space, most folks are super heavily reliant on external technology providers to solve their issues because the issues are so complex that it's just not worth them pursuing. So in thinking about all of this, and I very much agree with what you just said, you know, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on, A, you know, what are the problems the brands have today that's at the top of their list, right? As they think about addressing these trends and up and to the right. You know, what is their technology problem that they're looking to solve today and where do they exist in, in general? You know, I would be very curious to that. And then maybe where we'll head next is, you know, where is this technology stack headed that needs to exist, right? How does it mature and, and how does it get more complex? But, but I'd like to start with, you know, today, as you speak with folks that kind of boots on the ground, you know, where are you seeing these problems for brands emerge and where are you hearing from them as they think about their prioritized technology issues
1: yeah i mean of course uh, coming from a from a certain segment of the market right my my view on that uh, is is definitely impacted by that but of course what, what what we hear most often is that people struggle with the complexity right so it is really those new channels popping up that new requirements that people have that um, i would say more complex requirements for the existing channels right so w- when you look for example you always take facebook um, as an example when you look at the catalog requirements face from facebook five years ago it was like 20 right and if you now look at it oh. it's like 50 different categories that you that you have to fill out and, and different subset of information that you need So basically, it's really a um, subset of information that people need to deliver in order to be able to advertise for their products within the existing channels already. And then on yeah. top of that, you can add new channels and new geographies, right? So it's really um, that exploding um, complexity that leads to the fact that... That people can't focus on their core business, right? Which is developing a product and selling it to the end yeah. consumer, because they're they're caught in that action of getting it actually online, right? And that's basically where we step in and and uh, and and help them, right? So I think that is from our point of view the the, the main challenge there, right? And I think. For for me, the question is uh, when when you spoke about how heavily you rely on external technology, right? I think you have to ask yourself the question um, like anybody else, right? What is my uh, what is my core competency? What I'm really good at? What is the thing? What is the bare reason for my existence, right? And I think it's for a brand or a retailer. It's not. Yeah. Del- delivering and, and and creating a technology, which is able to distribute my product information, right? That's a necessity. That's a problem that you need to solve. So therefore, for me, it doesn't impact your competitiveness if you lo- use an external service for that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the, what we have seen over time, and I think that's comparable to search engine advertising, for example, at the start where, let's say, um, Product catalogs haven't been that complex, and the requirements haven't been that complex. You would see a lot of agencies being involved, right? And I think now, over time, over the last, I would say, three to five years, what happened is that people did understand that really need to be in control of their product information. They need to be in control of their product data. So either they created. Uh, a position for that in-house or they over time took it back from the agencies and now handling it in a team themselves or put it into the hands of the online marketing team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you, you, you saw an increasing importance, and, but also people becoming more knowledgeable of the, of the fact that uh, product information and the product data is really, really important for them to be able to do business In the future right and i think the same happened with search engine advertising at beginning people gave it to an agency and then they realized oh it's 30 percent of my online sales so i'd rather take that in-house and have it in 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 control or under control myself
0: yeah yeah i think we very much uh, you know agree with that you know our view is that absolutely the brand should not be trying to solve this problem themselves that's a terrible idea and generally leads to lots of wasted effort, money, and energy. I think you can, there's many a case study you can point to to show that somebody tried to solve a problem that was not their core competency, and they wasted a lot of time and probably negatively affected their core business to sell stuff. So I couldn't agree more on that. You know, for us, as we think about the technology stack, and we'll finish here in a minute with, you know, where are we headed in the more kind of broad, but but on the technology stack, I think for us, what's interesting is, if you look at the landscape today, and we leave know that's product stuff. We just leave and go look at the macro, e-commerce, technology platforms. You know, you've got a lot of relatively, I won't call them point solutions, but are are doing one thing, right? They're they're good at one particular thing. Maybe it's managing, you know, product information management. Maybe it's search and recommendations, you know, maybe it's thinking about uh, shipping and logistics or whatever it is, right? But you're getting these very specific verticals And inside of those verticals, generally relatively busy, there are lots of different kinds of players that exist and lots of small guys, right? Once you start going above 10 million ARR, the list tends to get pretty short in each of those buckets. And what's happening is the large customers are going into each of those and kind of shopping a la carte and saying, okay, I know I need to deal with my product information. I know I need to deal with my shipping and logistics. I know I need to deal with returns and and basically going down a price menu and saying, "I'll, I'll pick this. I'll pick this, I'll pick this. And they're they're putting solutions together and sometimes trying to build that interconnected tissue I keep talking about in ways that probably those solutions weren't designed to do, right? I don't know if, if you guys thought that you would be perfectly intertangled with some other, you know, search and recommendation business would be perfectly fit with some other thing, right? So, you know, this idea of selling together is not happening quite as much as you see in other industries. And so I think, you know, our view, as we think about the technology stack specifically, is that transactionally, what we're going to see is undoubtedly a a consolidation vertically inside of these specific, you know, specification capabilities. So we're going to see PIMs by other PIMs. We're going to see search businesses by other search businesses. What's more interesting to us, though, is that if you look at the large players across these verticals, as they continue to mature, as they get to profitability, as they get to scale, there's a very compelling argument, and we're beginning to see this already transactionally, to say, you know, what if somebody, a strategic, private equity, etc came in and started to consolidate and unify these solutions so that you are, in fact, selling a bundle, right? That all of a sudden, instead of me as a brand going to 10 different service providers and trying to cut deals and then figure out how to work it all together, you know, I can go to one, have them offer me everything that's super high quality and that selling motion being a lot more interesting. And so, you know, our view is that that's, happening today is just at the beginning stages, but we'll see that unification of the tech stack occur. The other thing that we think about as part of it is, you know, we've had a lot of CDPs, customer data platforms on this show, you know, it's a space that we spend a lot of time in. And, and you know, I don't think we're fully convinced yet that, that CDP is the answer, as I, as I frequently say on the show, you know, it is not that the CDP is the whole URL that we're looking for. But what we do think is happening is that ultimately, this unification of customer data, uh, understanding the customer on all the interfaces, right, not just the fact that you have a cookie of them on a website, but instead that you know where they exist, you know they've gone into your store, you understand location, you understand a lot of this interlocking. And and some of it is reporting by actual firms and doing the measurement. Other of it is technology-enabled. But if you have that as a base, then for us, this unified technology stack on the back end becomes very compelling to merge with some kind of data customer understanding so you can understand the customer. And when you put those two things together, you know, then you're talking about, you know, wow, where are we headed, right? And that's when you get the ability to really do customization and personalization. And I say all that in the idea that, you know, today, the only example we really have of that You know, are these large walled garden e-commerce platforms who have done some of this action on their own? Right, Amazon is the easiest one to point to, but you can point to others as well who get customer data organically through their site, are relatively restricted because none of them really have retail presences at any real scale, uh, and have built the technology themselves because, in their case, technology is their core business, Uh, and so. You get that action happening it's been very successful but but outside of those walled gardens there's no great examples of that today and and as we think about the technology evolution of where we're headed you know that that's what's interesting to us technology-wise so i don't know how you feel about that but but that to us is kind of the broader view on how we think about the technology evolution
1: yeah so i think i mean that's a discussion that you a lot of the times have right best of breed or is it the platform right and our belief is that over the next couple of years, of course, I also don't have a crystal ball, but I think what will happen at least in our space is there will be a system of record for product information, right? So it doesn't, it simply doesn't make sense for somebody to like you described, go into the menu and shop from, from different providers. And I think a lot of people already in the industry, they're starting to position themselves for building that platform, right? And I think if you would ask me, um, you you described it quite well in a way that there are a lot of different solutions, but if you then look at some players which have a certain scale, um, they are not that many, there may be a handful, maybe two handful, right? And I think then the the next question uh, that you have to ask yourself, what is really, uh, let's say multi-tenant, pure cloud, software as a service solution, Then it is even less right, and I think you can create that great system of record if you combine the best of breed pure SaaS multi tenant software solutions and then you need to do, of course, do the job of having a proper integration uh, between the different systems right so it's it's really like you could go back to the start of our conversation when we talked about multi-channel right there it's multi-product and in the end it is it comes down to delivering then unified experience um over the different products that you just combined in one platform but i have no doubt that this will happen over time right because it just makes sense for for the buyer they don't want to buy a PIM and then a syndication solution and then an, an analytics or business intelligence yeah. solution on top, they want to have it as one as one solution. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All
0: right. Let me, uh, let me ask now a big question, which is the we've talked about, you know, where we've gotten to today. We've talked about the evolution of technology. We've talked about all this kind of stuff. I'll give you our view on, on where, at least at a high level, e-commerce is headed and, and maybe we'll, we'll go more macro. But and then I'd be very curious to get yours, probably a, a better view than me. But here's how we think about it. So ultimately, uh, one thing we've talked a lot about is we think about the spectrum, you know, on the retail side, we expect this really significant unification between retail and e-commerce. We talked about it a lot on this, on this chat. You know, for us, that's a, a certain future driver. We're going to see the unification of those two things happen. We think that the retail environment will shift radically, particularly for the leaders. It'll lag, this will take time, but ultimately you'll end up with a very engaging, interactive retail experience that understands the customer in a variety of ways, um, is able to link that to a, uh, an e-commerce experience and create a very linear uh, experience for the consumer. So on that side of the equation, we expect to see that. In the middle, uh, we expect to see a significant adoption of a few things. One is, a much more personalized and customized experience um, in an e-commerce or even in a retail setting. But in e-commerce, it's most obvious to point to. You know, when folks get to a website, uh, their identity is understood. Their preferences are understood. How that's happening still hasn't emerged, but you know, we're getting there. Uh, and we'll be able to deliver very customized and personalized experiences. And that really means that, you know, A, I can understand what it is you're looking for and why. Um, B, I can make recommendations based on previous histories of what it is you may like and what you won't like. Uh, I can more complexity make bundled recommendations that similar to Amazon is doing today, where I can say this combination of things is probably interesting to you. I can tweak the language uh, of how products are being displayed or shown based on what I know has a greater uplift for your kind of audience base. Uh, and, And finally, you know, I can understand shipping logistics, where I can add additional margin, where I can't. Um, pending that consumer tolerance to those kinds of things, right? So I'm talking about a pretty complex level of personalization and customization, uh, a significant amount of retargeting capability, uh, understanding outside of just the site, you know, when I should poke somebody, when they're naturally getting to their buyer cycle, where they're going to buy again, uh, what kind of things they're going to respond to. So again, this is a real holy grail. And this to me is the middle of the path relative to the spectrum. All the way over to the right, I think the direct consumers are the most forefront with regards to pushing the limits, if you will, of where this can go. I completely agree that you know forever we're going to see this endless growth of number of channels. I don't think we're ever gonna to get to a top where we say, oh no, this is too many channels. You know, for me, this only increases and increases and increases. But I think the complexity and the kinds of channels is going to shift quite profoundly. I think something that we've seen in Asia is using interactive uh, content experiences, so live streams, videos, et cetera, to engage the consumer and, and really force buying activity. Of course, this comes from the legacy days, though so it still exists today, believe it or not, of you know, a, a nice lady getting on, on a show and saying, hey, you know, please buy this, and uh, people literally calling in to buy, right? And that shockingly still happens today. But to me, that that 21st century version is going to be a lot of this live stream activity. Marrying what we're seeing in different categories like gaming other places and figuring out ways to make it more entertaining and engaging uh, relative to that broadening of the number of distribution channels. We also expect that the product iterations themselves for those direct consumer brands is going to be completely changed with regards to how they actually decide the products are going to create. We've seen a number of media businesses, uh, a good friend of mine, Barack, can imagine for example, looking at the trends uh, of what's going on in the marketplace, the trends of what the consumer wants, predicting what that might mean in the future, and then building products accordingly. So we think that structurally that's going to change. And then finally, we think that you know everything I talked about in the middle uh, as kind of the middle road of customization and personalization will be taken once or even further uh, and done in a really interesting and sophisticated way um, to ultimately support that kind of cutting edge limit. So that's, that's our view on, on where we're headed in e commerce. And, and that's all backlit by, you know, we think structurally COVID has accelerated e commerce. We think it was always there. You know, there was never a time where somebody ignored it. Simply that the priority has now risen really significantly and that consumers have been conditioned even further uh, to say that I am purchase place agnostic. I need to understand price. I want to understand the transparency. Uh, and it's a heck of a lot easier for me to go on a site. And get something delivered to me next day than it is for me to go into a store and buy stuff. And we think that's only going to accelerate in the out years. So again, that was a lot, but that, as we think about the spectrum, is, is kind of where we think e-commerce is headed. Would be very curious to get your views on where you think e-commerce is headed and how you think about the world.
1: Yeah, I think in, in, in to large extent I would agree, right? So I think when you when you look at uh, let's say a broader spectrum of years, I think. Uh, 10 20 years back uh, somebody would create a product put it in front of the consumer and say here's the product do you want to buy it or not right yeah. and I think to the extent where it is economical and where it's feasible the design process for the product is going to be an indiv- individual one right so. Um, when I think about it, I saw a couple of examples right for example, where people individualize the face cream depending on on the yeah. uh, on the skin that you have. That totally makes sense, and that is feasible right So I think on that side of the spectrum, the product will adapt to the requirements of the of the consumer right that's the, the direct to consumer brands that you that, that you described right and I think in the middle um in the in the in the the middle segment there when you can't adapt the the product right it's adapting the information that you're going to present to somebody right it's it's that idea that i described earlier we want to enable our customers to basically be able to put in front the right information regarding a specific product um, to the individual which is just looking at the product and they would do that as an let's say a unified experience over all the channels, right? So I think yeah. it's adapting, making the product more personal. And if you can't personalize the product, uh, make the information that you're gonna present to to a consumer uh, more more personal. And I think it's about the relevant information, right? So I think when you look at a, a couple of a year, hundred years back, there was scarcity of information. Now we have an overflow of information and it's, we are all really, um, grateful if somebody presents the right information to us right so i think uh the the shorter the emails are that we get the happier we are if they contain the right yeah. information and i think the same holds true for for product information you want to get the right information which is relevant for you in the ch- delivered in the channel that you are on right that you are using and i think that's where where we're basically heading right so we've got to make it as easy as possible for a consumer to buy a product. And that product should be as much customized to the individual requirements as possible.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I couldn't agree more. Well, look, this has, been, uh, this has been a very interesting conversation. And again, really glad that, uh, that you could join us. So, so thank you very much. And I think we'll, we'll leave it there, but this has, been, uh, this has been super helpful. So thanks again.
1: Thank you, Andrew, for, for having me.
0: Awesome.